This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. Shipping containers, those big metal boxes that carry goods across oceans and on train cars, are becoming a more popular affordable housing option. And now a business in Butler County has launched to build these tiny homes. Could this be a way to ease the affordable housing crunch in communities across the country? Joining me now to talk about that are House in a Box co-founder and CEO, Sandra Whitley. Welcome, Sandra. Hey, thank you. The company's co-founder and CMO, Allison Lyons. Thanks for being here, Allison. Yes, thank you. And NPR culture correspondent, Chloe Veltman. Welcome, Chloe. Hi there, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Do you have questions or comments? You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or emailing talk at wvxu.org. Sandra, you've been in the construction business a long time, as I understand it, and you also were in the U.S. Air Force. How did you get interested in converting shipping containers into homes? Well, last summer, we I've been working for a company that proposed making affordable housing for the average day Walmart worker, that they can afford their housing. And after two and a half years of being with them, we saw that just the rent just kept going up to whatever market values, not for that person to afford it. And I've always wanted to build affordable housing, not just for that Walmart worker or the retail worker, but for the older generation, the single women, the single men, the downsizing parents, there's nowhere for them to go. They've saved their whole lives paying for their houses only to downsize using all that money to pay for a smaller house now. So I wanted to create a way to give them that affordability, give them that downsizing, give them their own property that they can do whatever they want with. That employee, that retail worker can afford our homes. They can't afford what's out there right now. And so that's where I wanted to step in. And Allison, how did you two end up working together on this? Yeah, so she is my aunt. And I would say for the better of a decade, I had been begging her to move back home because she was in Georgia because I knew she was in construction. I knew she was just like that get it done lady that I wanted to be like. Um, And it wasn't until after my dad died that she realized like, okay, the rest of my family's still up here. We need to we need to move back. And she approached me in August and with a couple other family members and said, hey, come around the fire pit. I have a business idea. And she said, we're going to make houses out of shipping containers and it's called House in a Box. So I'm missing, okay, well, we need a logo and we need a website and let, let's do it. Because we were both like that dream that I've been asking for was was here and it was finally happening. Oh. Chloe, how long have people been converting shipping containers into homes? Well, um, this whole thing has really not been around For too, too long, the first reported instance of shipping containers being converted into housing was 1987. But the idea of making these steel boxes habitable had actually been around for a couple of decades before that. Um, It was actually a trucking company owner by the name of Malcolm McLean or maybe McLean. I'm not exactly sure how he pronounced his last name. He invented the shipping container in 1956 because he had this idea that the vessel for storage itself needed to be transportable, not the goods within it. And then eventually in the late 60s, you get this whole idea of the standardized 20 foot size. And then that from there, that's where people started to come up with great ideas for for how to use them besides for ship besides shipping goods. And Chloe, has this is this becoming more popular to use these for building homes or, or other structures? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, there are businesses uh, across the country and, you know, both for profit and non-profit along the lines of house in a box. Um, but also, you know, shipping containers are being used in, in other kinds of ways beyond housing, too. Mm -hmm. What are some of those other ways? Oh, my goodness. So many different things. Um well, I mean, they're used for, on farms, for example. A lot of farmers use them to kind of store hay and other things simply for storage. They're very, very popular uh, for storage of people's stuff as well. You see these in very sort of urban settings. But also you see these wild kind of art projects as well. I spent time with uh, the sort of OGs of the shipping container architecture space, a couple of Italian architects who are based in New York City called Ardatola and Giuseppe Lignano. And they've done everything from creating these huge affordable housing complexes and art schools and such out of shipping containers. But they also do um, visual art projects. For example, there was a recent show that they did in San Francisco where they exploded a shipping container to sort of look inside and 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 give an impression of, of how of this building material that they've worked with for a long time. Oh, how interesting. Sandra and Allison, I don't know which of you want to take this, but, you know, Sandra, you mentioned that your inspiration was really building housing that's affordable for people. Do you see a need for that in Butler County in particular? I mean, is that something that, that you, Butler County needs more of? Yes. If you look at the average home prices and the average rental prices, it is unaffordable for a retail type worker. They're literally using all their money just for rent and then you don't have money for schools, you don't have money to get better educations, all those things. So if like city of Hamilton, their average rent is $867, but the average home price is $210,000. If you go to what a mortgage is on $210,000, it's probably gonna be somewhere around 1500. That's their monthly salary. Whereas I can provide them the same thing for almost half the price, you know, depending on where you get your land. You find it in the city of Cincinnati where the average rent is $1,345. That's somebody's entire salary for the month. Um, up where she lives, up in Mason, the average rent is $2,000 a month. That's Nobody can afford that. And a home price of four thirty nine. dollars Wow. So was that part of what got you so interested in this too, Allison, just knowing how expensive homes were kind of near where you are and... I think back to when my husband and I first got married, what we got pre-approved for, like the math did not math. And I did not understand how a bank was willing to give that to a couple early 20-somethings with what we were making. So I love the idea that, A, that we're working together, but B, like we're offering a solid home because right, everyone has to check the box of, okay, I need a place to live. So, but it's kind of like a three-legged stool. Like it needs to be affordable. If you can't pay for it, you're not going to be able to have it. It needs to be safe. So it needs to be well built, preferably in a place that you feel safe, but then it also has to be attainable. So geographically, is it where you want to live? Does your government allow it? Like we're finding widely varying stances from different counties and cities of if they'll allow these, if so, what the square footage has to be. Um, so my goal is to really build that three-legged stool with her and make housing that, sure, it's trendy, but that's really not what we're about. We're about taking something that's already a structure, right? So you're immediately under roof. And part of our model is actually getting our customers in on the action where if they are handy at all and they want to take on some of that interior finish work, we're willing to lower the price, take away that labor expense, give them all the materials and then let them do the finish work. And then also have that house pride where they built their own home, just like, you know, my grandpa, her dad did with the house that is still our Salmon's family hub today. Yeah. Kind of that sweat equity. Exactly. We have a caller on the line. Hey, Tom. 
Thanks for calling. What's your question? Hey, Lucy, just had a comment and a question. Comment being, um, just wanted to make sure everyone was aware of the new ADU accessory dwelling unit law that just passed for the city of Cincinnati in October of last year that would make building structures like this um, a lot easier for Cincinnati property owners. Um, and it's specifically set up to help with the affordability challenges. And then my question for your guests was how, um, if they have any unique insight on how to overcome some of the architectural and structural challenges that come with building in the shipping container. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. First, um, I think it's really interesting that Tom brought up ADUs because we were chatting about that before the show. Is that's you, you? Do you expect that to become an important part of your business, Allison? Yeah, I mean, obviously, primary residence is something we want to offer, but... Sandra was saying, or like, we just came from a potential client who is taking care of her young, nonverbal, autistic grandchild, and she needs help. But she has a piece of backyard where it's perfect to put a small cottage, and she wants us to build one for her, and she's in Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, seeing what their citizens need, listening to the need, it's it's already helping out this one lady. And that's just one case of, of people that have called us saying, please help us. Yeah, I'll let Sandra talk to the... Yeah, yeah. What about and to this? answer his question, a shipping container, I can make it look like any house you want it to look like. So if you don't want that boxy look, I can put a shingled roof on it. I could put a metal roof on it. I can put siding on it if that's if your aesthetics is more of your issue. Um, I can take out walls on shipping containers a lot easier because they're steel. They still have that strength where if you go into your house, I don't want that wall anymore. Guess what? You just took out your load-bearing wall. My load bearing is my four corners and my, the sides, not the actual walls. They will carry the load, but it's a lot easier to convert it into, hey, I need another bedroom. Let's add a container onto it. Aesthetically, I can put brick. I can put vinyl siding. I can put you know, wood siding. I can put anything to make it look traditional, but that just costs money, whereas leaving it as a shipping container doesn't cost money, and I can paint it and make it. Yeah. Look, it's like Lego for adults, right? Like you want to do an addition on your house. Normally you're tearing off an entire exterior wall to frame something in. You leave your structure intact until you got to cut the opening to attach the two. Um, It's it's quicker. It's more efficient. It's immediately under roof. So you're not having to worry about rain days because there's already a metal roof over you. And the materials are the same you use in regular stick frame construction. Hmm. We put wood framing in to hold your finished work up. You know, your appliances, your cabinets, all of those are the same as in any traditional house. It's just the structure of the house is different. Okay. Thanks for that uh, call, Tom. We appreciate it. We have another caller on the line. Hi, Rob. Thanks for calling. What's your question or comment? Hi. My question is, isn't container living just reinventing the mobile home? And um, wouldn't that... Those basic dimensions, aren't they basically the same? Thank you. Thanks for that question, Rob. What do you think about that, Sandra? Um, The standard mobile home is actually wider than an actual shipping container, I think by like two feet. Um, Shipping containers, the structure of itself is better than a mobile home. It's not on an axis. It's not on wheels. So you're not pulling up to it and pulling it back out. The metal used for mobile homes, trailers, is a lot thinner than what's on a steel shipping container because the shipping container has to last to go across sea. They have to be stackable to ship products across the countries and across the worlds, whereas you can't take a trailer and stack another trailer on top of it and expect the structure to withstand. So, yeah, it's reinventing the trailer mobile home, but it's also giving a longer-lasting 
time frame to that structure than a mobile home would give you. And it's way safer. So thinking about just the stats that I've looked up for container homes, they can withstand 180 mile an hour winds, category four hurricane, F2 tornado. Insects and rodents aren't going to start chewing on your steel, right? They're looking for wood foundations. So you always see like when you when they do the flyovers of like tornadoes, what's always gone? Mm, yeah. The mobile homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shipping containers are left standing. Yeah. Another piece of this that I want to talk about, and I'm going to ask you about this, Chloe, is kind of the um, environmental friendliness of shipping containers. I know there's been talk about, hey, does this is this a green way to build? What have you found in that about found out about that in your reporting? Yeah, well, it's complicated, Lucy. I mean, ostensibly, there are millions or possibly tens of millions. It's hard to know exactly the number of shipping containers sort of sitting around unused uh, in ports around the world and in parking in the lots of these sort of reseller companies that exist to to resell them. But um, the thing is that they are an attractive alternative to traditional construction materials such as cement, because cement manufacturing produces the world's third highest level of planet warming pollution and also to wood, which, of course, requires cutting down trees and growing them again. Um, But here's the thing, the vast majority of people in the market for anything that isn't just a basic storage unit made out of a shipping container, for example, if you're trying to uh, produce a home or an office or a coffee shop, apparently most people don't tend to buy these shipping containers heavily used because doing so doesn't make financial sense there's too much there's too small a price differential between a used one which can be under you know a thousand bucks and a new one which you know cost like two or three thousand thousand dollars so apparently most people are opting for the new ones or the nearly new in which case you're not really taking any shipping container out of this huge stockpile that's just sort of building up in in particularly in western ports around the world Um, Also, we've alluded this a little bit earlier, some municipalities, for example, Los Angeles, won't allow the use of containers that are damaged or that have been previously repaired or that are more than two years old in the construction of of housing. Um, Another big issue that that we we do come across, I hear, is that they are it is difficult to control their temperature. They can get very hot. They can get very cold. A restaurateur I spoke with who um, built a fancy shipping container home in Brooklyn, New York, uh, said his his energy bills were sky high, and after five years, he moved out of there and sold it. So there are some experts I've spoken to who said, you know, it's better to keep using these containers for shipping if you can, or you'd be much better off recycling the container into steel and then building the regular way out of steel studs. Hmm. Sandra, what do you what do you all use when you're using? Are you, do you use new shipping containers? Do you use used ones? Our prototype was built with a used one. The only difference is. You get a little bit of rust that you got to clean off and paint, um, and you might have dents in it. Um, so we used an old one for our prototype so that people can see this is what you can turn an old shipping container into. If you don't mind a few dents, you know, and they're not major or big or anything like that, and they're hardly noticeable once you paint them, then there's no issue. You can clean out the inside because it's steel. I can pressure wash the whole inside of a container out to get any contaminants that may have been in there. Um, the other issue is we also insulate all our walls with the same insulation your stick frame housing has. You know, and you could put a vapor barrier between it if you want to any keep any moisture. And we've noticed over this winter where she was saying it was called very high expensive, 
it was we didn't have our our unit hooked up to electricity yet, so we had no heat in our air. It was colder inside our container than it was outside because of our insulation kept that coldness inside. So in theory, you can look at it and say it's going to keep that heat inside also, which will keep it because we do use the standard R13 insulation that every house is built with. And I I believe that that restaurateur in New York, I think he was in your article where he said he didn't have insulation in his home, right? Yeah, there was. Well, I mean, he mentioned there was no thermal heat or I mean the thing is that's a high-end home that was was built by the the actually the architects I mentioned earlier the Italian architects Artola mm, okay. and Giuseppe Lignano um for which you know it cost a lot of money and perhaps he was expecting a different setup sure. insulation wise I'm not sure well we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment and later in the program it's been a long road to get there but the Clifton Cultural Arts Center finally has a new home this is Cincinnati edition This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. We're continuing our conversation about small homes built from shipping containers. My guests are House in a Box co-founder and CEO Sandra Whitley, the company's co-founder and CMO Allison Lyons, and NPR culture correspondent Chloe Veltman. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or by emailing talk at wvxu.com. Allison, you mentioned um, to me during the break that you had some other points you wanted to raise about kind of the the decision to use a new shipping container versus a used one. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a cost-benefit analysis to everything you do. And sometimes you have to weigh, well, while it has this cost, it also has these benefits. So when we decided after doing our prototype with the used, we looked at each other and said, we're going new for a few reasons, um, aesthetically, but also... Knowing that it doesn't have a past life, we don't have to worry about the toxic exposure if, you know, if those studies have really come out to say that. So when we think about the eco-friendliness, we're thinking about the eco of the families living in there and their health. So that's something that we considered. Also, just from a structural perspective, by having nice square walls that are not dented, it allows us to do a different style of framing that makes the interior square footage bigger. And when you're already working in increments of eight and 10 feet, like every inch matters. Like we've learned it is the difference between a queen or a king bed fitting. It's the difference between um, ADA doorways fitting. It's having a a bigger living space. So for us, Container homes can be tiny living, but that's we're not trying to be a tiny home builder. It's really an affordable home builder because we have designs that go up to, you know, 1,600 square feet or bigger. But I mean, I think that's important to note. Um, and then the other thing as far as eco-friendly, I've read that the average lifespan of a shipping container actually out at sea, out on the railroad is 10 to 15 years. So once it hits that point and they're like, well, this thing's rusted out, it's no longer seaworthy, what do we do with it now? If you take a new container and immediately use it as a home, you're giving that shipping container a longer life. So you're keeping it from having to be considered, well, what do we do with it now? Mm-hmm. We're protecting it from the elements. We're, we're giving it a longer life. And I think Chloe mentioned that there's not a huge cost difference between new and used. So I would imagine most families would say, hey, give me the new one. Is that what you all expect to? Yes. But okay. they also, you can use used ones for a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. You can use it for retail. You can use it for storage at a farm. So they can be used mm-hmm. to, so that we're not sitting them out in a parking lot. It's just for their homes they want new because that's what you're breathing every day. Yeah. Okay. We have another caller on the line. Hi, Sam. Thanks for your patience. What's your question or comment? 
Hi. So um, shipping container homes are something that I've been interested in a lot over the last few years. And um, I've seen other uh, container home builders use this system called InsoFast, which is like a combination of like insulation and it has kind of integrated studs. And I was just curious if, A, if our guests had heard of that, and B, if they have kind of an opinion on it. I have heard about it. Um, it's like a styro. The one I've seen is like a styrofoam type insulation that fits in the grooves of the actual container. And then they've got studs built in. We just chose to keep it because it's a home. We want to give, especially up here in the north, we want to give that insulation ability where that styrofoam doesn't give an R13. I think it's an R3 or an R5 factor, whereas an R13 gives that much more insulation for northern homes. Now, if you're out in the middle of the desert or something where you'd still want it to keep your house cold, but if you're in a middle area, yeah, that styrofoam would work great because it's got the framing. I don't have to add any of that. It's cost effective. And, and I'll ask and learn right along with you, Sam, is that product really expensive because it's so niche or specialty? Which kind of goes against our the trying to be affordable stuff that he talked about. Is that expensive? Yeah, it's more expensive than using regular R thirteen insulation. So okay. it kind of goes against one of our, our our core tenets of just wanting to be affordable. Mm-hmm. Like when we price these homes, we're we're looking for ways like how can we cut costs without cutting quality that we can pass that on to our customers. Yeah, thanks for that call, Sam. Appreciate it. So what does it take to convert one of these? I mean, I know you could probably tell me about that for hours, Sandra, <laughs> but just briefly, like how complicated is it to take this metal box and make it into a house? Very easy. Really? You need a welder to cut out. You, need, you I can use a grinder. So any homeowner could actually go in there and grind out their holes. Um, welding to weld on our trim and that to keep everything waterproof. And then it's doing it like a regular house, framing it up, running your electrical, running your plumbing, we use split system HVAC systems in our smaller homes. And then it's just finished products, putting your cabinets in, putting your, you know, toilets and stuff like that, just like you would any other home. Yeah. But time-wise, I can have one built in four to six weeks. You can't build a house that quick. Hmm. And how expensive is that then? So like our smallest one, which is our prototype, the Jackson, it's a 40-foot long, 8-foot wide. Um, that one starts at 55000 for what we would call the stuff and ship, someone who wants us to stuff it with all the finished work, but we've got it to the point of roughed in. Um, our double wide, which is a 40 by 16, that starts at 95. We have a triple that starts at 139. So it's affordable. And what I will add to her is, because I was sitting here thinking last night, like, what are we going to talk about? Um, I think the daunting thing of doing a traditional built house is how do you even lay it out? How do you make sure that your first wall you put up is square? Because everything else goes off that. When you walk into a shipping container, you you already have your walls, floor, and ceiling. It is so – it's like my mom showed up to help when we were building this. My 8-year-old helped hang shiplap in, in drywall. Like anyone can do it. You just mm. got to just believe in yourself a little bit. Yeah. And what are the dimensions of these? Like how tall are they? How how big are these containers? We use the high containers, which are 9.5 feet tall, so that we can put a ceiling in and raise the floor up to run utilities underneath it. Gives you an 8-foot ceiling just like your standard house would. Um, they're eight feet wide and anywhere from 20, 30, or 40 feet long. Hmm. Wow. Chloe, what else are you seeing communities use these for? Has this become a, a kind of an affordable housing solution that, that communities and people are looking at across the country? Um, it is a solution, and we're seeing it all over the world. Um, I think one of the interesting things I've seen, which is, a, is sort of a little regrettable, is that sometimes these sorts of... Um, 
complexes that are built out of shipping containers sometimes end up being um, abandoned or shut down. Sometimes they're not very well taken care of. Part of the issue is what are local authorities doing about them and what are the other kind of social issues? If it's low cost housing, what are the other kinds of social issues around that? And do they have do the authorities have the social systems in place as well? Um, but, you know, I think part of the problem is that sometimes people blame the shipping container homes when these sorts of things happen. But often it's not about the, the architecture or the buildings themselves. They're absolutely fine. It's about the services that are provided around those communities, you know. Um, so, yes, we do. We do see a lot. Uh, a lot of these uh, buildings happening all over the place. But it, it's interesting, too. You see many other kinds of uses. are They're used for galleries. They're used for coffee shops. Uh, I ran into an individual who was collecting a whole bunch of old Oscars memorabilia and using that to adorn his new shipping container home in the desert. So they're very, very popular. And um they're very a very very interesting solution to a difficult problem, and I think authorities, not just in this country but over the world, are, are right to be looking into how they can possibly use them. It's just it has to be done with quite a bit of care, I think. Allison, are you getting a lot of interest? Yeah, we have tons of people from wanting primary residence to they want to have an Airbnb somewhere that's a good you know tourist attraction. We have a few folks actually that have existing mobile home parks that want to start converting them over to container communities because they see that the the reputation, I guess, might be a little different. They might be taken differently by the, the residents. Um, but yeah, we've got like a 300 lot one that might be in talks with us, a 70 lot, a seven acre 40 lot. So there are people that are seeing this as a solution. They, they know that the structures will hold up better and but still be affordable. They're always like, but can I still keep like the rent or the, the prices low hmm. for these people? Well, this has been fascinating. I've been talking with House in a Box co-founder and CEO, Sandra Whitley, the company's co-founder and CMO, Allison Lyons, and NPR culture correspondent, Chloe Veltman. Thank you all so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Up next, it's been a long road, but the Clifton Cultural Arts Center finally has a new home. This is Cincinnati Edition.